pray for blessings. We pray for peace. Comfort for family. Protection while we sleep. We pray for healing. For prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each desperate plea, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? And what if trials of this life 
The rain, the storms, the hardest nights Are your mercies in disguise your Bible, turn with me to Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is over in the Old Testament. It's about, let's see, 10 or 12 books in. It's right after Ezra. I know you can find it. What page is it on in the uh, Bible there? 684? 684? Is that right? I don't think that's right. All right, I want to talk with you this morning about how can I handle discouragement. This is something that we need to talk about because it happens with great regularity. We're looking at Nehemiah 4 this morning. What can you do when you have the world's most discouraging disease? What do you do? No, it's not uh, cancer. It's not AIDS, it's not polio, it's not MS, it's discouragement. Why is discouragement such a dreaded disease? Well, first of all, because it's universal. Everybody gets it at one time or another. It's all over the world. It happens all the time. I get it, you get it, we all get it. Discouragement is very common. It affects us physically. It affects us mentally. It affects us relationally. It's really a major, major problem. Christians get it. I know some Christian people that are discouraged most of the time. And I try and talk to them and uh, visit with them and pray for them and all that. This morning, the sermon is going to talk about the causes of it and the cures for it. So hopefully this will be something that we can all use uh, this week. Discouragement is recurring. You don't just get it one time. You can get it the next month, and then you can get it five months later. You can have it four times or five times a year if you want. You can get uh, discouragement as many times uh, as you want to, really. It's not a one-time thing. Thirdly, it's highly contagious. If I get real discouraged and I get up here and I start talking about all these discouraging things, people go out on Sunday morning and they think, well, gee, I'm feeling kind of (laughs) down. You know, if your neighbor talks to you and is always saying discouraging things and you're trying to be a good neighbor. But you know, if you hang around with them enough, uh, you're going to start looking at some things like they do. The good news about discouragement is that it is curable. And that's what we want to know and hear. 
Our story this morning is from the life of Nehemiah, the fourth chapter. It illustrates four causes, three cures for discouragement. Now, you'll recall that Nehemiah was the leader of a group of Jews that came back to Israel from Babylon. And he was commissioned to go back and to build a wall all around Jerusalem. And so he got some people, and they were real excited about it. When they first started on the wall, there was a lot of zeal, a lot of fervor. Everybody was uh, saying, boy, I can't wait to build this wall. It's just going to be great, and it's going to go up, and it's going to protect all our people. It's just going to be wonderful. That's all there is to it. Well, after a while, it was hot. Uh, They were talking about building a pretty high wall. The supplies weren't always there. Work was very hard, very physical. Rocks are heavy. It uh, It was a lot of work. And after a while, some of them, maybe the majority of them, got a little bit discouraged. Chapter 4 of Nehemiah shows why the people got discouraged and how to overcome that discouragement. Verse 6. Now look down at verse 6 if you found it. So we rebuilt the wall until all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. In other words, they were excited. They got in there and got with it, working hard. Now look at verse 10. Meanwhile... The people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. There is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Our enemies said, therefore, they know it, and they will see us, and they will be standing right among us, and they will kill us and put an end to the work. Well, the Jews who lived near those that hated uh, what the Jews were trying to do, they came in and they told Nehemiah and the other leaders ten times over. They said, uh, wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. They're planning to kill every one of us. I don't see what we can do about it. I don't see how we can stop them. They'll just kind of come in and mix around through our group, and, and they'll kill us. Why do people get discouraged? Why do you get discouraged? Why do I get discouraged? Well, there's, uh, there's some reasons. The first one is fatigue. We get tired. The people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. In other words... They'd worked a long time. It was very physically uh, demanding. It was psychologically exhausting. They were just plain worn out. They were drained emotionally. Some people come in uh, to see me, and they're real discouraged. And they think that it is a spiritual problem. And they ask me, they say, maybe I need to, Just recommit my life to the Lord. Maybe I need to rededicate myself. And I would talk with them for a while, and after a while I'd realize they're just burned out. They're just tired. They need some rest. They need some relaxation. They need some renewal. 
I tell them, you know, I want to suggest something. I want you to sleep two hours longer every night and take some naps. I want you to kind of calm it down. Uh, Maybe you need to take a little vacation. And don't take one of those vacations where you're on the go all the time. Uh, Go somewhere where you can sit down and enjoy the view and, and just relax. When do fatigue and discouragement come about? When does it happen? Look at verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. They got halfway up. Do you know when you're most likely to get discouraged? Whenever your task or your goal is half done and you realize, gosh, I've got that much more to do. When you're halfway through a project, that's when it really zaps you. Everybody works hard at first. The scripture says, verse 6, they worked with all their heart. They got in there and they got with it. Why? Because of the newness of the project. You know, they saw it in their mind, what it was going to look like, what it was going to be like. It was a novel at first. It was was, uh, really wonderful. But after a while, the newness wore off. And it got real hard. And it got boring. They were doing the same thing over and over. Have you ever started to climb a mountain? And as you looked at the mountain, you said, uh, you know, I I believe that I could climb up to the top of that. I think it would take me about four hours. (laughs) And then you start climbing. And uh, when you're halfway to the top, five hours later, And you look up, and there's at least that much to go, and you're thinking to yourself, it's going to take me five more hours to go the other half. And then I've got to come all the way back down. You know, this is I don't think this is much fun. I think I am going to quit. I'm just going to quit. Uh, Fatigue is the number one cause of discouragement. And it often happens about midpoint in whatever it is that you're trying to do. That's why so many people seldom complete anything. Do you know people like that? They start a lot of stuff. They talk about a lot of stuff. But they never finish anything. They just kind of get started. You know, they talk about it a lot. But they don't finish. There's a second reason why people get discouraged. The people said, verse 10, there is so much rubble. There's all this rubble around here, and we just can't build the wall. Too much rubble. That's frustration. They were so discouraged. They were frustrated. What's rubble? They were building a new wall, and there were old broken stones all around. There was junk, trash, all kinds of stuff all around. They looked at the rubble and the debris. And they got discouraged. They said, you know, this is, this is too much. We, we just bit off something bigger we could chew. This is, this is not good. Whenever you do a project, some waste is going to accumulate. It can get pretty frustrating. If you've ever built on a room to your house or if you've ever tried to build a, a building, all of a sudden you notice there's plaster everywhere. There's boxes that things came in everywhere. There's 
old boards over here and nails over here and pieces of concrete over there, just trash everywhere. The trash seems to be multiplying as you stand there. We can't avoid the rubbish in life, but we can learn what to do with it. So we don't have to give up on our original plan. What's the rubbish in your life? Is it the trivial things that waste your time? Yes, it is. Is it those things that consume your energy and frustrate you? Yes, that's part of it. Is it that stuff that keeps you from becoming all that you want to be? Yes. Is it uh, the things that are keeping you from doing the most important things that you know that you need to do? Yes. The rubbish in your life are those things that get in your way, that interrupt you from accomplishing your goal. There are things that we need to clean away in our life. Just get it out of our way. Get it away from the goal that we have set, the thing that we're trying to accomplish. The third reason why people get discouraged is also in verse 10. Look at that. We cannot, they came to Nehemiah and they said, we cannot build this wall. We just can't do it. It's impossible. It's foolish to try and we just give up. We're tired. The third cause of discouragement is failure. The people were unable to finish the work as quickly as they had originally planned. They saw this big job ahead of them. As a result of that, their confidence just fell, went down through the tubes. They lost heart. They got discouraged. They said, we can't do it. We're just giving up. How do you handle failure in your life? Do you have a pity party? Do you say, oh, poor me. I just can't get this job done. Do you start complaining? It's impossible. I never should have started this. It can't be done. I was a fool to try. Do you blame other people? You say, you know, all these people have disappointed me. You know, I thought they knew what they were doing and they would just do it. And they didn't. They quit. And some of them don't know what they're doing. They're just kind of standing around. Uh, they're, they're not very good at all. Do we blame others a lot? The difference between winners and losers is that winners always see failure as a temporary setback. That's all it is, a temporary setback. There's a fourth reason why people get discouraged. Look at verse 11. Our enemy said... Before they know it or see us, they will be right there among us, and they will kill us and put an end to the work. There were people in Israel, obviously, that didn't want the wall built because that would have made it safe and secure for the Jews, and they hated the Jews. So they were against this wall all the way. The wall represented safety, security, So these enemies didn't want to see that wall finished. So at first they criticized the Jews, and then they ridiculed the Jews, and then they threatened the Jews. They said, we're going to kill you if you keep building this wall. So the wall builders, uh, of course, got discouraged. The fourth cause is fear. 
the thing that just kind of zaps us. It's when we get afraid. Notice who it was that got discouraged. It was the Jews, verse 12, who lived near the enemy. They were talking to the enemy. They, uh, you know, would interface with them regularly during the day. And, and they said, uh, you know, we, we don't like y'all building this wall. You know, there's some of our group, they're going to kill you people. They got afraid. Then they discouraged others by saying, you know, wherever we turn, they're going to attack us. We just can't get away from them. When you hang around a negative person long enough, guess what's going to happen? That negativity is going to seep into you. And, and you know, they've said, oh, it can't be done, it can't be done, it can't be done. And you hear that about 25 times. Then you begin to think, well, can it be done? Can we do this? That's what happens. Following the path of least resistance is what makes rivers and men crooked. We need to always remember that. Do you have fears that are discouraging you right now? You just have a fear about it. Do you feel that uh, there's criticism and embarrassment coming? And you're afraid of that. Maybe it's fear that you're not capable for the task. I'm just not up to it. I can't do it. I'm afraid that I can't hold up under the pressure of all this stuff that's going on. Maybe it's fear that you have to be perfect in order to lead. Well, there's nobody perfect. We need to realize that right up front. We're going to make some mistakes. Don't let that slow you down. Fear always discourages us. How can you tell if your discouragement is caused by fear, there's a very clear way to tell. You have a deep, intense desire to run away. You know, a lot of people in America are running. And you, if you stop and you say, why are you running? You say, well, this and that happened over there, so I thought I'd, I'd get out of there. There's, there's a, I don't know, I don't know the number, but uh, there's probably millions of people in America that are running. They're moving from here to there, going from this to that, getting away from things that they're afraid are going to happen. I've got to get out of this place. That's what they say. You have an intense desire to escape from the demands and the pressures of life. The natural reaction of fear is always just to run. What's the antidote for this terrible disease of discouragement. Notice what Nehemiah did as a wise leader and as a man of God. Notice what he did. When he knew that the people were discouraged, he took the appropriate actions to correct the problem. There are three principles that will help you uh, when you feel like giving up. Number one, reorganize. Number two, remember. Number three, Resist. Nehemiah used the reorganized principle first. He stationed, uh, in verse 13, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest point of the wall in the exposed places, those places where it would have been easy for the enemy to get through. I posted there families, families, 
And they brought with them their spears and their swords and their bows and their arrows. Nehemiah said, we're going to get this thing organized. We're going to do this differently. We're going to have a new system. You people, this family, you go over there. And you all, this family over here, you all go over there. Get at the lowest point. And so what he did, of course, was he put people together that knew everybody. In that way, the enemy couldn't infiltrate the crowd. It was just a family here and a family there. And he put family in the strategic places where it would be easy uh, to have uh, the enemy come in. The first principle in conquering discouragement is to reorganize your life. When you get discouraged, don't give up on the good goals that you have. Instead, devise a new approach. If you get discouraged, it doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing. You might be doing the right thing the wrong way. That's what they were doing on this wall to start with. They were, they were doing the right thing, but they weren't doing it right. And so they changed it. Was it wrong for these Jews to build the wall that would secure them, keep them safe? No. It was the right thing, but they were doing the right thing the wrong way. And the result of that was they got discouraged. Do you have a major, major problem this morning? Don't raise your hand, please. (laughs) The thing that you need to do is reorganize your life. Is the problem your marriage? Don't give up on it. Try a different plan. Try a different attitude. You know, don't keep doing the same thing. That isn't working. Get a new plan. Is the problem your business? Don't give up on it. Try a new approach. Get a new business plan. Do it a different way. Is the problem your Christian life? You know, one of the things that we don't do enough of is go to mature godly people in the church and say, you know, I'm dealing with this. Do you have any suggestions about uh, what I need to do? And you get great advice. I used to teach a Sunday school class of uh, folks that were 70 and 80 years old. And I just loved them. And in that, it was a big class. And there were people in there that had had everything. And so if I ever got sick, before I started my lesson, I said, you know, I'm I'm having a pain right over here. What is that? What is that? And somebody, you know, they'd say, well, you know, they'd tell me what it was. There was one guy in there, and no matter what was wrong with me, he'd say, take St. John's wort. That's what he said. It didn't matter what it was. St. John's Wart, that's it. But you know, there were a lot of people in there that gave me good suggestions, and I did what they would say, and I'd get to feeling better. It was like having my own doctor, all those people, you know, that, uh, that were helping. We need the counsel of godly people. The Bible says that. Go to godly people that are really strong in the Lord and ask them their opinion about your Christian life if you're having difficulties in it. Some of you are discouraged because you're under tremendous pressure. The workload that you have 
is hard. God's message to you is to reorganize. Reorganize your time. Reorganize your schedule. Refocus on your goal. Keep the goal right in front of you. Cut out the clutter, the rubble, the trivia. Cut that stuff out. The things that are just wasting your time. Then recognize that you can reorganize your life in such a way that you can reach your main goal. Notice that Nehemiah focused on priorities. When he reorganized, he posted people by families. Why did he do that? Well, he knew that anybody that got discouraged needed to have somebody to pick them up, to lift them up. And where better to do that in families? You know, if you get the whole family together, all the cousins, all the aunts and uncles, everybody, get them all together. Somebody in that group is going to lift you up if you get down. Our church can be a great support group. You know, we... We need to lift each other up, help each other. You know, there's a lot of people that are having a hard time. Some of you are doing exceptionally well in every area of your life. You know, we can help each other. We can lift each other up. We can pray for each other. We can uh, go and sit with somebody if that's what they need or want. We need to reorganize our life for support. How else do you overcome discouragement? Second thing is by remembering the Lord. Notice what Nehemiah said. Look at verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome. He's saying change your focus. Remember the Lord. Trust in Him. What does it mean to remember the Lord? It means, of course, to recommit yourself to Him. It means to rededicate yourself to Him. And it also means to look to Him for some power, dunamis, power, that you can have in your life. You know, the, the dynamos that they have in the dams all across the country. Great power. That's, that's the word in the Bible, dunamis power. Is, uh, it, that's where it is. Guess where our dynamo is? It's the Lord God Almighty. And he wants to give us strength. He wants to give us power. He has all the power in the universe. He can do anything he wants to. Well, what specifically do you remember? Let me mention three things. Remember God's goodness to you in the past. You remember when you were saved? Do you remember those high moments that you had with the Lord at such and such a place at such and such a time? Second, do you remember God's closeness uh, that you're having in the present life? You know, some people say to me, you know, I, I think God has just forgotten me. I think God has left me. Well, no matter whether you feel him or not, he is there with you all the time. Because Hebrews 13, 5 says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. So if you're saying, God, I think has left me, you're wrong. He is right there with you all 
the time. Third, you want to remember God's power for the future. He will give you strength for your needs. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. When you get discouraged, you need to realize that God is there for you. Get your mind off of your circumstances and put your mind on the Lord. Remember, your thoughts determine your feelings. If you feel discouraged, it's because you're regurgitating over and over and over again discouraging thoughts. If you want to feel encouraged, start thinking encouraging thoughts. How else do you fight discouragement? By resisting the discouragement. You know, there's a whole lot of verses in the Bible. Don't yield to discouragement without a fight. That's the main thing. Just just claim the Lord. Resist the discouragement. Do you have a discouragement plan going for you right now? It's your choice. You can choose to give in. You can choose uh, simply to refuse to be discouraged. Uh, Some folks don't know how to quit. Those are the people that are not discouraged very much. They never give up even when they are fatigued, when they are frustrated, when they have failed, and when they're fearful. Great people are ordinary people with extraordinary amounts of persistence. And that's what will carry the day if you'll turn to the Lord. Well, we want to have a time of invitation this morning. Maybe there's some folks here that'd like to join our church. Uh, The doors of the church are open. We want you to come and join with us and serve with us. We really need you to help us to do the things that God has called us to do. We we need uh, more workers in the field. Some here today perhaps want to trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior. You've thought about it, prayed about it. You've come to the service today. You've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Maybe today's the day that you want to take a stand. For Christ. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If the Lord leads, you just slip out and slip forward and take a stand for Jesus today. Let's stand as we sing together.